Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Hello. Merry Hello. Christmas. It's the Film Chat Christmas special, the fifth edition of it. A venerable institution now, almost as old as Christmas itself. <laughs> and uh, as embedded in our culture and as anticipated um, and as over-commercialized. And we are delighted to welcome back Katie Rogers. She's returned from Sweden. Hey. Hey, hey. She's uh, got a strong Swedish accent now. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> As you can hear, bra. Yeah, she's she's turned you know Swedish in her in her time away. Katie. <laughs> wow, what is that Swedish for? I am Katie. You, I see you've picked up the language very impressively. Yes, and they have picked up mine uh, perfectly as well. They, well, they, they now, all sound like you now. Well, they can all speak English now because I'm there. Oh, yeah. thanks for doing that <laughs> for Sweden. That's quite a service you've provided. Also joining us, Danny Moran, who's here, who's always here. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, why, why don't we pop open this bottle of Prosecco? Usually we do that with a real noise, but this year we've, we're already drinking it. So that's why we've got this, got this cool loose flow to this whole discussion. I might put any sound effect in there. You don't know. Maybe it's out of a truck reversing or something. It's like just it's... a fucking river. I don't know why I'd do that. And so, so here is Sam uh, biting into his mince pie. Just put in whatever you want there. Here's me having sex with six men. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild. It's going to be a wild podcast. So, Katie, you're going to be, you're going to do a film quiz, right? Yes, I am, yes. So, in the past, I have done a Christmas uh, quiz, but um, uh, they don't celebrate Christmas over there, which is weird for such a Christmassy country. It's bizarre. Um, So, uh, instead, I will be doing a Swedish film quiz this year to try and educate the masses on the venerable, long-standing, and rich (laughs) cinematic tradition of Sweden. (laughs) Right. Well, it's my area of expertise. Um, I know everything about Swedish cinema. How's your knowledge of Sweden, Danny? Very good. Very, very good. Extensive, would you say? I would say it's the thing I'm, I'm, I know most about. I, I've, apart from myself. It's that and Takashi Miike films. Yep. 
those are my top two things I know about. Um, we'll also, in addition to that incredible quiz, which I'm very excited for, we've got a bevy of reviews. They're not particularly seasonal, except in that they're of movies that are currently out. So they're all Christmas films by virtue of being out right now. Danny, what are we What are we reviewing? We are reviewing my man, Aquaman, <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, possibly some more. It depends how we're getting on. Yeah, we'll just see how we're doing. Just we'll see, see how, how much, whether we've passed out from the amount of Christmassy Prosecco we've been drinking. Every or... episode we have about six reviews we could do. We just choose to do one or two. There's, I've seen, I see so many films we all the time. Over, over-prepare. How many movies do you have seen this year? Well, I've seen fewer than like most years, I would say. Been distracted, I've had that MA on, you know? Like, I've had things on my plate. Uh, been a student. Um, I don't know. I mean, you've probably seen... 100 films? Yeah, I reckon 100. Something like that. How oh. many did you see at the BFI? I saw 49. It's pretty good. In like six weeks, so... Pretty good game. Probably well over 100. I've, and seen, I've seen five this week, so... And you reviewed, you reviewed them all on one a single episode as well? Yeah. <laughs> Thus making every episode subsequently... Redundant. Redundant. Absolutely redundant. Skip to the punch sign. Um, all right. Uh, I can hear a number of Christmas Eve sounds right now that heralds uh, the conclusion of the um, this sort of ad-libbed introduction rather than the scripted one we normally do. You've got uh, bells there. Um, the ho-ho of Santa. I can hear that. Six guys having sex. The fucking, the, the, gay, the gay porn sounds. We can hear those. Um, the sound of a chimney being cleaned, getting ready for Santa to come down there. The sound of a... <laughs> Keep going. A single line, <laughs> bouncing of a reindeer. Of a, 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 a mince climbing, put on a plate, <laughs> laid out for, for Santa himself to uh, to enjoy. That's, I heard that. So, <laughs> so let's... And you did too, listener, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> so did you. Yeah, and so, so, did, so did we all. Merry Christmas and let's get this show on the road. Christmas, Christmas, Merry Christmas, season's greetings, goodwill to all men, tinsel, crackers, pine tree presents, mistletoe, park the herald angels, turkey, baubles, mulled wine, Saint Nick, peace on earth, Brussels sprouts, wise men, Santa Claus, elves, shepherds, jingle bells, Christmas pudding, Yuletide, Rudolph, stockings, chestnuts, snowmen, carols. Festive cheer to everyone, Christmas film chat has begun. Danny, you reached out to our listeners and they grasped the hand that that you proffered by uh, giving us some of their top films of the year, their faves and worsties. Um, we've got a bunch of responses, which is delightful. Very pleased about that. Katie Rogers. Me. She writes, hey, film chat. I loved Hereditary, Revenge, and Call Me By Your Name. I did not love Isle of Dogs. So those are your top three of the year? Yeah, I mean... Revenge sticks out for me as a movie that I'll remember for a long time and have told a lot of people about. Uh, but I don't know if that's because it's not on everyone's radar. And then Hereditary, I thought I didn't like. Uh, and then I watched that Netflix series with Tony Collette in called Wonderlust hmm. and realised that she's just a, a cracking actress and has had a great <laughs> year. So I kind of am putting it in for her sake more than anything so you didn't the movie itself no i do like no i did like the movie and she did a great job and i think it's because i i was in vellingby 
I was in a weird town called Vellingby when I watched Hereditary and everyone around me was not enjoying it and being quite vocal about it. Well, if you're in Vellingby when you're watching Hereditary, yeah. then it's just... Yeah. And if you, like, actually, Swedes would agree um, if you heard they heard you say that. Uh, <laughs> is it in, in Notoria? Is it like yeah, the, is it bit, the uh, is it the Cannes Film Festival of Swedish towns? No, where it's just people are bit, very vocal. Bit, bit of a bit of a you know dud town. You know, people in there probably wouldn't get a slow paced horror movie. But looking back, I actually did really enjoy it, and it made me think. And I've considered it multiple times since then. Hmm. Uh, and then call me by your name. It's just good. Good gay fucking. But it was last year, was it not? Mm, I thought it was January. No, it's, it's oh, no, I looked at the release date in Sweden. Ah, the Swe- well, this is your Swedish list. Yes, this is my Swedish list. So it's I one, of, it's one of the best date. films to come out in Sweden. I looked up the release date and it was January 2018. Yeah. So the review is good gay fucking. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there is no gay fucking in it, is there? Um, yeah, exactly. There's no yeah. on-screen gay fucking. No. But you could, you know, perhaps you're... Um, Opposed to gay fucking and therefore it's good by virtue of its absence. Yes, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know if that's what we're supposed to take away from yeah. this, but shame on you. Uh, it did make me go uh, on a holiday to Italy and just try and live. Call me by your name. D- what did you like uh, <laughs> d- die for? Um, architectural, uh, you know, archaeological yes, remains, exactly, and did yeah. you fuck a peach and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> All those things. <laughs> great. Great. Fantastic. Um, Georgia Mills wrote in to say hi film chat i loved a quiet place gimmick horror but so well done game night i was expecting it to be stupid it was but good stupid <laughs> buster scruggs the first 10 minutes is the most fun i've had watching a film this year just delightful i did not love ibiza i don't know why i watched this i think a podcast told me to but it's really 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 shit wasn't us wasn't don't us. know what that movie is what, what, uh, what podcast you listen to that's recommending films to her well she, she's got to stop listening to that Maybe it was like Kermit and May or those amateurs. Oh, God. But most of all, I've loved all of Film Chat's hot and spicy takes. Oh, you, you guys sweetheart. rock. That's so nice. Ugh. Thank you very much. What That's a very kind of you have. to say. Um, regular correspondee and friend of the show and me personally, and probably also you, but I knew him first. He's me. He's you. Not, not he's a friend. To, not to call Debs on Dan, but you know. He's your friend. He's a, to me, he's a friend of a friend. Yeah. Good. And that's how I treat him. Oh, I'm glad that the hierarchy has been <laughs> established. <laughs> established. He wrote in to say, after seeing all the end of the year polls, I realise I've got an embarrassing amount of catching up to do. But from what I saw, my personal highlights were Phantom Fred, might be an all-time fave and definitely provide the best film memes of 2018. Hereditary, made me feel really sick and upset in a good way. <laughs> Annihilation, not a perfect film. Its influences are treated with typical Garland affair, but it definitely scratched an itch for slow-burning, thoughtful sci-fi. I did not see any bad films. That's nice, isn't it? He didn't see Isle of Dogs then. Didn't see Isle of Dogs. That was, I would say, bad. It yeah. made me sad. What was your What was your biggest objection to Isle of Dogs? Uh, the white saviour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, literally, the, the really smart Japanese person cries, and then a small white girl comes in and fixes everything for them. That is correct. <laughs> it just felt weird the whole way through. Yeah. Like, odd. I agree. Racist. Racist. Uh, Michael Patrick wrote in to say, I love Dublin old school. Well, well, then we don't our, agree with that. Our thoughts have been We've established. clear. I would say one of the big film chair moments of this year was just our overtly hostile uh, <laughs> <laughs> reaction to that recommendation from Michael Patrick. 
generally so kind of um, grateful and happy about any listener interaction. But in that specific instance, that was not how we responded. And I put that down to the quality of that film. But, yeah. you know, it almost tore our friendship apart. You and Michael if the, Patrick. If, if the quality of the film wasn't bad enough, yeah, it caught a rift between us and our, I think, only fan. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but at least, but it brought me and you closer together. I think that's true because we we both agreed that it was bad. Yeah, so we did that. Um, Jake Hoskins wrote in to say, "Hi, film chaps. I seem to have bookended my year with seeing quite a few films, but with very little in between." I think I watched the first 50% or so of my films this year on one long plane ride back in January. Here are my hot takes. A year later. Call me by your <laughs> name. Definitely in my top five Peroni ads. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Death of Starland. More like Death of J-Dog by Boredom. Free billboards. Yeah, pretty good, but not as good as it thinks it is. Shape of Water. Fairly expensive for a Doctor Who episode. Ladybird. Really enjoyed it. I very much liked the way the dialogue felt quite real. Nobody said anything impossibly clever all the time, a la Juno or something. Isle of Dogs. Brilliant parody of a Wes Anderson film. Top work, whoever made it. Then I didn't watch any films until about last week, and it's been banger after banger ever since. Mainly thanks to you two. So keep up the excellent work. Buster Scruggs. Yeehaw! <laughs> Roma. Just really very nice and good, wasn't it? Ne Passaran. I think you'll find I actually turned you onto this one, so well done me. Where's my Chilean Medal of Honor Bachelet? Is that Bachelet? Bachelet? Bachelet. Bachelet? Oh yeah, I also saw The Christmas Chronicles the other day. Kurt Russell was a good father Christmas, but in a bad film. Okay, that's all from me. Merry Filmsmas, everyone. Then he followed that up with, Sorry, just realized I didn't follow your cue or answer your actual questions at all. I just flippantly reviewed every single film I've seen this year. Soz, it's cry face. Yeah, he's crying. That was a good performance of Jake's correspondence. <laughs> I know. He's a very he's a very expressive writer, and I think you captured yeah, uh, his manner it. very well. I could just do a whole episode of Jake if you want. Yeah, it could be like Jake is here. Uh, and uh, finally, Jake Arnold's uh, message to say, two films we enjoyed this year, which I don't believe you have reviewed, were Game Night and Private Life. Uh, he describes Game Night as totally harmless and induced more than a handful of chuckles, and Private Life was superbly written, superbly acted, and generally superb. But I can't confirm these are the best films that came out this year because I haven't yet seen Peter Rabbit. Yeah. I hear there's a scene where he pegs Mr. McGregor with a carrot. <laughs> well, that sounds... He like, he, like, puts a carrot up his bum. Oh. The material for a, a classic that deserves to be anointed the best film of the year. Um, I don't think Porter ever wrote a pegging scene, did she? <laughs> <laughs> Emma Thompson recently uh, did some more... Uh, Peter Rabbit stories, didn't she? But yeah, but was there any pegging in it? I yeah, thought you were going to say, but Emma Thompson recently did some pegging. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's the sort of person who'd end up writing a pegging scene. Yeah. Yeah. You just, For a laugh. She just got that vibe. She really does. Does she? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, that like lovely, posh, gin-sodden woman who just... Who would think she's you. ready to, <laughs> yeah. to strap on a dildo and yeah. fuck someone. With uh, Greg Wise. With naked in Scotland. Is that her husband? Yeah, she's married to Willoughby. Hmm. I met Greg Wiles once. Tell us about that. I was working on this film called Blackwood, in which he starred, and uh, he was doing a scene, and then the director got me and some other runner guy to like walk to like I think it was like a university doors, like uh, just to have some people in the shot. And Greg Wise was having a fag, and I was like, "You got any you know tips, actor to actor?" And he said, uh, "Try not to walk in unison." And I was like. Don't tell me what to fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Did you get scrooged over in business? Perhaps you thought you were in love. Actually, it was a nightmare before Christmas. Well, just forget about those gremlins, baby. You trade places with a happier guy. Pop a film chat on and let your blues die hard. And you realize it's a wonderful life. We're going to innovate here and we're going to review two films simultaneously to the big superhero releases that just came out aquaman and spider-man into the spider-verse absolutely so to briefly give you the summation of the plots the entire plots including all the twists and spoilers so uh, aquaman follows on from arthur curry aquaman himself plays played by jason momoa his mother is queen atlanta she had him with a humble human so he is a creature of both worlds surface and water that's not two different worlds same world isn't it <laughs> and the plot is all about his uh, half brother played by patrick wilson who had a name i've forgotten and he wants king orm king orm he wants to start a war with uh, the people on land, the surface people, evil surface people, and he's going to unite everyone, uh, all the Atlanteans, and Arthur has to go on a quest to get a special trident which will make him the true king and he can lead the people and dethrone his half-brother and there's a spectacular aquatic adventure in shoes. I don't want to be king. Once he is named Ocean Master, it'll be too late. The power at his disposal will be unlike anything you have ever seen. I'm from the surface. No one's going to take me seriously. Okay, I don't even know where to begin. By winning the hearts and minds of the people, by proving to them that you're worthy and retrieving this. Hmm. I already got one of those. Meanwhile, in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it's about Miles Morales, who was created in 2011 as a half-Latino, half-black... Uh, alternate Spider-Man. Alternate Spider-Man, exactly. And in this version, it's all about him. Uh, it's like his origin tale, but the sort of twist is that the plot involves Kingpin trying to get into an alternate reality where his family exists. But by doing so, he unleashes different Spider-Man from different universes, including a sort of schlubby mid-thirties Spider-Man voiced by Jay Johnson, Spider-Pig voiced by John Mulaney, Spider-Man Noir voiced by Nick Cage, and it's the minds behind the Lego Movie, uh, Lord and Miller. Uh, sort of cooked it up and you can definitely tell and what follows is a sort of fantastic uh, pop art overflowing the Lego movie just taking the next level I guess their sensibility taken to the nth degree but we thought it'd be fun to compare them because they have a similar throwing of the wall and sticks mentality but in one case it's very successfully done <laughs> and in another it is uh, all over the shop yeah I saw them in quick succession I saw them in succeeding evenings I believe. And one of them I thought was excellent, the Spider-Man movie. And then we saw the Aquaman movie. I mean, the whole cinematic experience that we that we had was, uh, I think, like a big part of the excitement. I think it's a big part of the enjoyment for me. We both saw it at the Peckham Plex. 
and the um, sound is very staticky. You notice that at first. And then there's a scene like towards the beginning. It's quite a sort of long prologue about him, uh, uh, his his mother and father and stuff at the lighthouse. And then when his mother returns to Atlantis at one bit, she dumps into the water and then like the sound cut out, which I thought was like an effect of, uh, you know, going under the water. I thought it was like a cool creative decision. It turned out to be a technical error that uh, led to um, about 10 or 15 minutes of them trying to sort out what was going on and reboot the movie, including like jumping ahead to various scenes later on. So we get a little preview of them <laughs> replaying an action sequence from earlier, but with like the sound of a, uh, kind of jaunty christmas song over the top of it instead of the actual sound which was quite exciting and it elicited quite a lot of like cheers and stuff an improvement i would say a, a huge improvement <laughs> it's not it's not something you normally get when you go to see a film as like a repeat of a scene you saw earlier with a different soundtrack it's quite cool <laughs> but yeah i mean it, it sort of it made sense you know just like having that experience of watching this movie just basically fell seamlessly in with the rest of the film because it's very all over the place and yeah, what you said um, a second ago before we entered this segment about it, I think it's like quite true. Uh, you were saying that it's like, it feels a bit like the director has been lumbered by this character that no one has any particular love for and doesn't have an obvious reason to exist. And he's just like, I will have to blow people's minds by having so much stuff happening all the time. It's going to have to be two and a half hours of just Cirque du Soleil-esque gizmos and wonders in order to distract you so that you're not really paying attention to why you're watching this Aquaman film. And that's what it felt like. It sort of bludgeons you over the head. It goes on forever. Uh, (laughs) And especially by the end, which is just the most fish I've ever seen in my fucking life (laughs) on on screen at once. Just extraordinary amounts of fish all fighting each other. (laughs) And I was like, I was just like, what is that? What is going on? How how is the audience supposed to react to this except with bafflement? Yeah, it's a very confusing film. <laughs> well, I think, like to put it simply, why it doesn't work is like it doesn't really have any story whatsoever. It's like, is it about Aquaman? He doesn't want to take up the throne, but he's like, he seems indifferent at best. <laughs> he's exactly the same at the end of the movie as it is at the beginning. No, he's not. He's in a gold, he's got yeah. gold armor now. He's got well, gold trident. That, that's it. It's just like, it's the kind of simulacrum of a film. It's like so <laughs> superficial. Like the opening prologue, not to go on about how great it was, <laughs> in both versions we saw of it. Uh, you know, the woman, she meets this guy, instantly falls in love. It's so functional. There's no actual emotion. It's just going through... No, it's like a greetings card version yeah, of Yeah, exactly. But I think that's that's the whole movie. It's like, there's a bit... It's like, this is a bit like Indiana Jones, but it's like, no one really has put any effort. It's like, they go to a place and there's a thing, and they go to another place and there's a thing. I As don't a... know. I, I don't know if, like, this is the best possible version of the script in a way, because the sort of gonzo throwing thing at the movie and see what sticks at least gives it something. There's a few, like, what the hell moments in it. Which there are definitely it some what the hell some moments, value yeah. for money. But when you contrast it with Spider-Man, which has got a similar just trying to be inventive all the time, but it has been very carefully dovetailed with the actual thematic thrust of the movie. It's like, okay, one of this, you know, it feels like this was made by professionals and this was made by somebody. <laughs> by by uh, people desperately trying to cobble together their cinematic universe. Exactly. And th- yeah. I mean, it's the curse of DC films in a way that they're so desperate to please all the time. And that that kind of nervousness about their own existence always seems to be seeping through. There's a bit in it where they go to Sicily and they basically have they enter a kind of like Dolmio advert. It's like if a billionaire like was just you know like a sort of billionaire's whim to just create Sicily in my backyard or something like that. 
it's just a sort of series of stretches and like adorable locals who just smile and give each other flowers and have a like cute little stalls and stuff um and there's a there's a sequence where they visit the sahara desert and the soundtrack just starts pumping out um uh africa by toto yeah but pitbulls but pitbulls (laughs) (laughs) even better It's so good. What what song do we know about Africa? The you know the Sahara. It's like an entire continent. The classic the classic tune, Africa by Toto, but Pitbull. Yeah. So that that kind of was the whole film. I don't know. We laughed quite a lot in it, mostly unintentionally. I would say. I was a bit drained by it by the end. I was happy for it to end. I was I was relieved. <laughs> I was, yeah. It was, was happy to go it home. Was tar- it was tiring me out. <laughs> but similarly, like I found Spider Man similarly like kind of exhausting in that it's like the Lego Movie. Like, for me, like, I wasn't particularly emotionally caught up in Spider-Man. I know it's come up to a lot, bunch of rave reviews and people have said it's like the best Spider-Man movie ever. But to me, it is akin to something like the Lego movie in that it was just sort of delightful to watch. And there was a really solid stream of inventive jokes and visuals. Um, but I think if there is a flaw of that movie, it's that Miles Morales is a bit uh, just like every other Spider-Man is more scene stealing than he is. It's a bit like the Lego movie where, like, Chris Pratt's character is not the most memorable one. It's, like, Lego Batman or the spaceship guy. It's, like, they get all the great lines and Miles Morales is forced to, sort of, like, be the narrative anchor to it all. I think that's a good point. I think maybe he suffers from the film's awareness of how played out Spider-Man origin stories are. And that, like, the essence of a Spider-Man origin story is quite a, you know, it's quite a good story, obviously. Because we've seen it so many times. Um, and people keep wanting to return to it. And although the particulars of his, his his story are different, the kind of dynamics of it are very much the same. And that it's like about a kid who doesn't fit in, and he gets superpowers and has to learn how to deal with them. And he's a kind of every man who you relate to, and so on and so forth. But because they want to kind of skip past all the stuff that you've seen a million times, it does relegate his character to a slightly secondary role in a way. It's like the episode of a TV show that I've been running for four seasons. You would do. You know, it's like a sort of Doctor Who anniversary special version of Spider-Man. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and as such, it's weird to have that and also have like the pilot episode of your main character at the same time. So I think that's where the movie comes in on. But at the same time, there is a genuine, like, sincere effort to give it like an emotional core. And the voice cast do a really brilliant job. Brian Terry Henry, who plays his dad, then gave like a really good performance. So he's looking into Spider-Man. I mean, this guy swings in once a day, zip zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one, right? Yeah, Dad, yeah. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I wanna hear it. You wanna hear me I say I love you, Dad. You're dropping me off out of school? I love you, Dad. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. Yeah. Yeah, I and I think the the style of animation is also very interesting. I think it's it has a very similar sensibility as you were saying to the Lego Movie, and also slightly similar visuals because the Lego Movie had that thing of like having a slightly sort of lowered frame rate so that it looks a bit like stop motion. So it looks a little bit like they actually had real Lego and they were just moving them around. And this movie also has a similar kind of like stop motiony kind of thing, but it's supposed to evoke reading a comic book. It's full of kind of comic book style um, animation flourishes. Those little dots, I'm sure they have names. Those little colored dots yeah. that they print comics in. Those, yeah, are, those are full of it. And the Roy Lichtenstein thing. The Roy Lichtenstein thing. Yeah, the movie is full of those. 
and uh, it also reminded me a little bit of Scott Pilgrim. It's got a bit of that kind of constantly put things on the screen, illustrate everything that happens in the film with some kind of visual flourish. Uh, but I, I think like, yeah, stylistically, it is a definite departure. I mean, it feels, it feels like they thought a lot about how this movie was going to look and like why they were going to do certain things. And, and it also has quite good action scenes. This one thing that's been unusual this year is two quite good like action animated films because I thought Incredibles 2 is not very good, but I thought the action in it was quite well done. I think this is also similarly, they're very inventive, full of good little moments, little callbacks. And yeah, it's just very pleasing. Yeah, it's probably yeah. So my, yeah. my balls just dropped, and my anticipation of how great this point was. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if you're going to see one movie this Christmas, it'd be you know I, I could you can easily recommend it to anybody. You'll enjoy it. It's like a total blast. Uh, yeah, there's there's your laugh. As long as you don't like feel car sick in the first like thirty seconds, you'll be fine. Are you going to go see it, Katie? Yes. Christmas time in the film chat studio. Danny's dressed like a reindeer Sam and Katie are covered in tinsel It's definitely Christmas in here So, guys, how many Swedish movies do you think you've seen in your life? Probably all of them, I would um, say Three? Not Maybe very many four. No, no um, I've, I've been having trouble while I was out there um, I go to see English movies Because they don't dub them Because obviously they all speak immaculate English And then they have the Swedish subtitles which is quite useful for learning the language. Um, but then obviously the Swedish movies that come out don't have uh, English. English subtitles. So I've kind of fallen flat on my face with that. But I am going to try and make a, a New Year's resolution to see more Swedish movies. I've actually got some recommendations from actual Swedes, um, actual Swedish movies. So I thought I'd try them here. Never heard from a real Swede I know, before. there's not many of them. There's, there's, in a country twice the size of the UK, it's population of London. Nine million. Nine million. Nine million. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have a few. Well, so Joseph. Ah, oh, this is where I realise I can't pronounce my friend's surnames. Josephine Force Uh She recommends Force Majeure, which we've actually already reviewed. Reviewed and Danny approved of. Gave it a sort of positive review. Posi- positive, yeah. Uh, uh, we had quite a few people recommend Let the Right One In, which is obviously a, a stalwart. Tony Valstrom. Uh, he recommended Let the Right One In, The Seventh Seal, obviously a big one. Lilia Forever. Uh, Smaller Susie, which I think means Slim Susie. Fanny and Alexander, the Bergman. Uh, fucking Urmol. presume that's a name. What does fucking mean in Swedish? Oh, no, they, they just have fuck. They have fucking shit. They don't have their own versions. They just swear. Um, they's the only words I understand. <laughs> uh, and As It Is In Heaven, which... That's an English title, so who knows? Yuan uh, Kizro, he recommended one called Favel Flackenberg, which is about... I'm writing all this down. The last Favel summer, the five boys are together in Falkenberg. They are now grown up to be young men on their way out into the world, at least most of them, which is brilliant swinglish there. But Kizro has good taste, so I kind of trust him. Mikke Linfors also recommended Slim Susie and also recommended Blau Mondag which I looked up and has uh, a 1.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And he's the sort of person who'd recommend shit. Um, yes. And then Al- Noted. Albin Nord Bjorland uh, recommended Bert den Sister Oskulden, which means Bert the Last Virgin. So kind of a lot of sexual kind of hijinks, toilet humor, things going on. I think I like The Last Virgin is the, the last name of virgin. <laughs> The Last Virgin. Everyone else has had sex apart from Bert. Yeah. Yeah, and presumably it's, it's the hijinks around 
Is it is is it maybe it has a children of men style premise where there's no more babies being born and therefore eventually someone's going to be the last virgin? Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what it is. Um, but I will make an attempt to watch all of these movies, and I was thinking I would send film chat over short uh, reviews to kind of keep the Scandinavian flavor going. Please do, of all of and the and, and and indeed the audience going. Yes, exactly. Fe- the fe- feeding them uh, tidbits of, of Scandinavian exactly. content. Uh, but on to the quiz of the ones uh, that maybe you guys have seen. Um, I think the best way of doing this is that when you guys think you know the answer, you'll make a little Scandinavian noise. So <laughs> Sam will go... Och den som inte helan tar han heller inte halvan får helan går. And Danny will go... Sure, I'm happy to make that Scandinavian noise. Okay, cool. Well, let's see how we go. So, first question, one point. Let's fucking do it. Who played the knight in the 1957 Ingmar Bergman classic? Danny's already in there. The Seventh Seal. Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow is correct. Damn it. I thought I'd start with an easy one. Didn't get in there quick enough. I didn't make my Scandinavian noise in time. No, sorry. Be more Scandinavian. By which I mean be more (laughs) passive-aggressive. Max von Sydow also appeared in which 1971 Swedish movie in which he plays an impoverished farmer who leaves his rocky plot in small land in 1850 and devotes four decades to taming the vast expanses (laughs) around Chicago Lake in Minnesota Territory? It's It's a big one. It's a big one. It's in 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 all the BFI top 10 Swedish films. I haven't seen it, but... Oh, it's in, it's in all the top 10 Swedish yeah, films. Yeah, of which, yeah, because it's the same 10 rotated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the answer. Is it probably a Bergman? I... Is it Fanny Alexander? It's not, it's not a Bergman. It's called The Emigrants. Never heard of it, I'm afraid. There you go. There you go. Max once said I did something like 14 movies in Mar Bergman and 10 movies with the guy who did this. Oh, okay. Well, we need to brush up on our Von Sydow. You do. He was in The Last Jedi. <laughs> he was... <laughs> And he's in Ghostbusters too. Okay. Uh, so it's Report. He's in Minority Report. Real fucking films. <laughs> Do we just answer us? Game of Thrones. <laughs> you don't get any points for this. There is a place called Westeros in Sweden. Interesting. Um, okay. One nil. Still. Which year was Swedish coming of age vampire movie Let the Right One In released? Oh, right that's something to hear. Twenty ten. Nope. 2008? Correct. The answer Bollocks. is 2008. It was a decade yes. ago. It was called Lort den Retta, comma, in. Well, I fucked it. Fucked it. I'm getting, I'm getting destroyed. I know. That's 2-0. Um, so, chance to regain with your Greta Garbo <laughs> knowledge, maybe? <laughs> yeah, sure. Test me on my Garbo Greta knowledge. Greta Garbo was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress three times before being presented with an honorary Oscar in 1954. Name one of those movies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who this is. Greta Garbo. You're not familiar name. with her from the... Uh, that's that um, Derek and Glyve yeah, routine. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I know it from. <laughs> uh, Bloody Greta Garbo. Ask, ask us about... Um, uh, I can't change the question. Yeah, but... Uh, Ing- uh, Ingrid Bergman instead. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman. Yeah, she's uh, Swedish, wasn't she? I don't know, was she? Just had the same name. Just had the same name. <laughs> well, uh, you fucked that one as well. 
So actually, she was she was nominated three times, but for four different movies because in 1930 it was possible to be nominated oh. twice for different movies. So in, in 1930 she was nominated for Anna Christie and Romance, and then she was subsequently nominated for Camille and Non Chica. Disgraceful. We didn't get it. No. All right. Well, this is good. This is good. I did worry if it was going to be too easy or too hard, but I've got a nice... I think you might get this one. So Sweden is winning so far, right? Sweden with, is winning no, so far. Yeah. Wait, yeah. how many do you have, Danny? Two. And you have none. Two. So Danny's drawing with Sweden. Yeah. Okay. Um, we must be Sweden. Okay. Mamma Mia is about ABBA songs, which is a Swedish band. <laughs> <laughs> Name... do, we, do, we, do we just both get a point for that? <laughs> <laughs> On the assumption we'd know. <laughs> Name the Swede in that movie. Stellan Skarsgård. That is correct. Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. The Swede in the movie about ABBA. Thank you. So that's 2-1 now. Um, on the topic of Star- Skarsgårds, I think it's start. I think it's Skarsgård, actually. Skarsgård. Because, yeah, shit. Sorry, Swedes. Uh, Skarsgårds. Stellan Skarsgård has eight children, many of whom are actors. Shout as many as you can for a point each. Alexander. Bill. Um, there's more? There's two more actors. Uh, Jacob. No. Brian. Lance. <laughs> Stellan Junior. <laughs> Christopher. No. Chris. Uh, David. Yo- Johan. No. Um, James. Steve. Brad. <laughs> Leo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Uh, uh, Ingmar. <laughs> yeah. No, the other ones were called Walter and Gustav. Uh, we didn't get them. There's four actors. Four of the children. That's a lot. That's a big. That's a big acting clan. Yes. Obviously, Bill was the. Was He's the, the clown from it. Clown from it. Okay. Uh, slightly off topic, but I feel this question must be asked. All right. <laughs> was it just me? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> no. did you betray me? Or what was the name of the building taken hostage in the 1988 Christmas <laughs> movie Die Hard? <laughs> Danny. Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi Plaza. Come on. That, that's, we both, we've been trained like Pavlov's dogs to know the answer to that. Yeah, but I'm just a better dog. Uh, couldn't make my Scandinavian noise in time. All right, but Sweden didn't know that, see. So. Um, so wait, what are we on now? That's 3-1 three, three, to Danny. We both got a... You both got a Oh, that's right. So it's 4-2. Four two. It's 4-2. Four 4-2. Two. Four two. Okay, I've got one question left. So... All right. So he's all, to, all to play for. He's won. That's one way of looking at it. to regain yourself. And this is kind of like a... Make this a, a, make this a two-pointer. This is more of... Um, <laughs> makes a three-pointer. Three <laughs> this is more of a Price is Right one. So here we go. So native... As we all know, native English speakers are stupid and hate subtitled movies. Uh-huh. Uh, what was the difference in worldwide box office gross between the Swedish language 2009 version of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and its 2011 English language counterpart? Can so I, what's the difference? Can I suggest that we independently make guesses for this without yes. you saying which is closer? You know, should No, I mean after we've both <laughs> Oh, yeah, guessed. yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. This is a Price is Right situation. Okay. The difference in grace... I think because it wasn't that success, it wasn't successful enough to make a sequel, so I don't think it was like a huge hit. So I'm gonna guess. It was world worldwide gross. Worldwide gross in US dollars. Okay. Not in sec in Swedish krona. I'm gonna guess forty million. I'm gonna say seventy-five. Okay, so 
For the 2009 version, the worldwide gross was 104 million US dollars. And the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo 2011, basically shot for shot from what I remember, uh, was 232 oh, million shit. US dollars. So the answer was 128. That's a, that's a lot. I can't believe they didn't make a sequel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people really don't like reading subtitles. Yeah. So for the 2018 non-Christmas Swedish film quiz... <laughs> The winner with 5-2 is Danny Moran. Danny, crushes yes. me like a worm. Yes, like the worm you are. Like the worm I am. All right, fine. I'll be quitting the podcast and replacing myself with someone who knows more about Swedish just film. Someone, just a Swedish person. Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow. You, you have... Uh, Volta Skarsgård. In your capacity as an employee of ACOS, can you make some overtures to Max von Sydow to see if he wants to host a podcast? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> can your people speak to his, his people? Yeah, maxvonsidow at gmail.com. <laughs> You've already got his details. It'd be great if you replace me like as a 90-year-old Swedish actor. <laughs> but he's got such a cool voice. I know. I mean, I would, you know, I would be fine with that. <laughs> I'd be a loyal listener to that podcast. I'd write in all the time. We mainly go to do questions. Yeah, you'd have to scrap all the jingles and get him to do them. When Zach Raff heard something that changed his life, what he listened to? When John Cusack made a mixtape for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? When Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've heard our listeners' faves and worsties of the year, but let's be honest, where are their podcasts? They don't exist. People tune in. Except Georgia, she's got one. Yeah, apart from Georgia. Also, Ruth. Uh, yeah, she's got one. She's got one. But she didn't write in. Thanks a lot, Ruth. Where, where, Ruth, <laughs> do you listen? Where are Do I... you listen? <laughs> do you listen? Anyway, so let's hear our top tens of the year. Let's do it, Danny. I want you to begin, and I want it to be such a definitive list that mine looks like an idiot's choices in okay. comparison. I'm going to put on some cool music and. Um, some gunshot sound effects after every single name. So, here we go. <laughs> Number 10, First Reformed. Number 9, Sorry to Bother You. Number 8, 120 BPM. 7, Loveless. Uh, number 6, Makala. Number 5, Ladybird. Number 4, The Breadwinner. Number 3, Phantom Fred. In number 1 position, I've tied. Couldn't decide which one I liked more. You were never really here. And late entry, the house that Jack built. I don't know. I'm going. I liked it. Wow. I liked it. I don't. I don't know what that says about me. So you looked a lot. By the I don't things. know if I should be <laughs> celebrating a film made by a man who's had this sexual assault scandal. But what can I say? Just got a lot out of the movie. Well, I'd forgotten that McCullough was this year because I saw it last year. But I guess it came out this year. It came out this year. All right. Well, McCullough is not on my list because I didn't think of it, but I really liked it. I mean, it's also the subject of my essay, so. That I'm that I'm really I'm not behind saying on I writing. liked it, but I'm writing an entire. <laughs> what are you gonna say about it? Uh, Mikhail is really good. In case you're unaware, let's see. Um, it's like a French uh, documentary about a man in uh, the Congo who makes his own charcoal and then travels a very long distance to sell it in a town. Very kind of engrossing um, tale. Um, so Mikhail is very good, but it's not on my list. Not so you list. just it's just an adjunct to it. What kind of music would you like uh, underscoring your list? 
What about that Kronos Quartet uh, music from Requiem for a Dream? Sure. All right, number 10, Roma. Number 9, Leave No Trace. Number 8, A Fantastic Woman. Number 7, Lady Bird. Number 6, Phantom Thread. Number 5, You Were Never Really Here. Number 4, 120 BPM. Number 3, Sorry to Bother You. Number 2, Loveless. And number 1, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, so a lot of crossover between our lists. A lot of a lot of crossover. The order is quite different, and th- one of your top, you, you, one of your number ones, I haven't uh, seen. You haven't seen. And uh, and my number one didn't make it into your top ten. So there's a bit of difference there. Yeah. I just uh, I think Buster Scruggs it might be the most uh, enjoyable cinema experience I've had in the year. I think that might be why I put it in. Fair enough. I just didn't have any strong expectations of it going in like particularly there's nothing about a anthology of western movies i find especially exciting and the last coen brothers movie was quite a disappointment so i wasn't you know didn't have high expectations for them that much um but i just found it a a very rewarding viewing experience It it constantly you know kept me on my toes and thinking and engaged and i just thought it was brilliant um yeah, I think that the, the top four are probably the films that have like made a real impact. I mean, you were never really here. I thought it was obviously really excellent, but I wasn't as sort of like overwhelmed watching it as maybe you were. I was, given like, its I was placement. Well, this is the movie I, I think I thought about the most afterwards. Mm. Right around in my head a little bit. I think that's a big criteria, isn't it, for picking your yeah? Picking your top and one. all the ones on my list were uh, even if it's not the whole movie, but they they will have like moments that kind of stuck with me, like. And now, now I realize I can't give an example without being a spoiler. But have you seen Loveless? There's like a shot early on, which is like kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like all, the, all the movies in my top 10 have like similar moments where, uh, you know, like single moments have more impact than entire films. So they, so they must have something going for them. Do you have any honorable mentions or things you want I to I liked uh, Roma. I like Buster Scruggs a lot. I liked Zama, the Lucretia Mattel, Argentinian sort of existential comedy drama movie loved venom <laughs> <laughs> venom yeah i you know i don't think any review of the year would suffice that i mentioned it venom you know what i know that it's like you know it was made by sony and they're just out to make money but i feel sort of vindicated that it's made so much money because it was had so many naysayers beforehand and i feel like you and me were like this movie's gonna be great and you know what <laughs> the box office is uh you know well i thought i mean i, I did think it would be a bomb so I, I think like its financial success is genuinely impressive and maybe it's the combination of like Mrs. Doubtfire-esque restaurant <laughs> antics and like normal superhero thrills has done like a really good job for it. I do think it would be great if it makes like tons more money than Aquaman, which it probably is going to when it's just such a, like Aquaman is in some ways quite a slick production, you know, where they've, it doesn't feel like it's been re-edited a million times or it doesn't have like weird edges. It just feels like, um, uh, someone has tried to uh, present you with as many exciting fish as possible for like two and a half hours <laughs> whereas Venom is a socially bizarre film that doesn't work on any level but is you know thoroughly entertaining there's a really good article on IndieWire which is just a bunch of their contributors picking movies they either thought were like overrated or underrated and someone picked Venom and it's like it's a testament to Tom Hardy's performance that that film has taken off yeah, it absolutely and is. Like, I think I think it's like it's down to him. I think. And uh, yeah, and it's hard to think. I feel like another problem with the DC movies is that like none of the people playing the main roles really strike a chord of you in the way 
that's the kind of linchpin of the Marvel universe is they do really good casting. Yeah. And that's the reason these movies can keep on going. But uh, no one else, no other studio has cracked it like Sony when they cast Tom Hardy in two roles. Genius move by them. Um, and then it's paying off dividends. I wanted to give another honorable mention. Uh, the movie Love, Simon, which I had kind of forgotten about until I was like checking you know, back through our uh, episodes from this year. Uh, and it's, I think it should enter anyone's list of recommended um, good high school rom-com films um, as it was uh, cited as um, being sort of groundbreaking because it's like a traditional American high school romance, but it's gay romance. So it's unusual for that reason. Sure. But it's also just a good good movie. Sort of a very sweet film. It's quite funny. I didn't think it was, you know, it's not like, any, like a mind-blowing piece of work, but um, it's good. If you're in the mood for that kind of a movie, I highly recommend it. Um, and, yeah, I would say the Spider-Man film is probably the blockbuster of the year. I don't know. I mean, Mission Impossible you 6, I also enjoyed quite a lot. Referred it to Infinity War? Well, uh, I don't know. I find it hard to judge those kinds of things. It is like... Infinity War, I really enjoyed a lot, but also it is like the TV show that I'm the fan of, you know. So I just don't, I don't, I don't really know how to, how to, you know, judge it necessarily. I do think like when I watch a movie like Aquaman, I'm like Marvel are doing something right, you know, like they're nailing something this movie is failing at because it's complete garbage by comparison. But sure, honorable mention, Avengers: Infinity War, liked it a lot. What, what are you, what are your worsties? I got, I got some worsties here. Um, Molly's game, the Sork, the the Aaron Sorkin movie. Don't like him. Don't like his work. It was not good. Uh, for similar reasons, I guess the post. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Actually, both Spielberg movies this year terrible. We had two Spielberg movies in one year, both awful. Do you feel like the post followed Spotlight, but just couldn't do it because the story wasn't as good? It yeah. Was, it was like. It's not even Watergate. It's the thing before Watergate. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I then think, they tried yeah. to create tension through journalism, but Spotlight was about sexual misconduct in the Catholic Church in Boston. And this was mirrors and people doing politics things. Yeah, I thought, like, I remember really enjoying Spotlight. And I think that movie did a much better job of dramatizing, even though both films, uh, they're both movies that focus on journalists as the heroes of a story which is not really about them, that the uh you know the child abuse scandal in the catholic church is like should really be a story about like the victims and the and the abusers um and instead it's about the people who break the story about you know like and 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 the post is a similar thing where the journalist is the hero but i thought spotlight did a really good job of dramatizing at least like the um uh, uh what it's like to have to deal with a story like that you know and and how the journalists like work through it um and I felt like they were sort of real people rather than just being like avatars for like how great journalism is or like how much you love the news or something. Whereas the the post was just an incredibly like superficial and irritatingly smoking film. Um, what about you? What are your, what are your worst films? I think there? the worst, well, I generally thought like it was quite a good year. Like I, there was like a, my top 10 list was like 12 films. You have to whittle down obviously because 12 is more than 10. Just like, Isle of Dogs I really didn't like, but maybe because I had high hopes after Grand Budapest Hotel, which I think is Wes Anderson's best. And similarly, like, Cold War isn't the worst film of the year, but it, like, underwhelmed me. And same with, like, Black Klansman. I was, like, really anticipating that. And, like, it's got as, like, a war's love, but I just don't see why. I feel like it's more of, a, like, a political thing to nominate it. 
because it's like quite a middling film. It's not a, by any stretch of the imagination the worst film of the year, but just like in my expectation to what it was. And now I just feel like the Academy or whatever is just gaslighting me because it's like, <laughs> you know, we all realize it was a freestyle film and yet yeah, it's still in the conversation. But yeah, I didn't. I I thought I, Black Handsman, I, 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 I thought was a, an enjoyable movie and then I really hated the end. So yeah, I think the that ending sucks the ending so is much so that, bad. Like... Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, my, my sort of feel of the year as a whole was that it was a little bit, um, like there weren't that many films that I felt incredibly excited about and also not that many films I really hated. So it sort of was a bit lukewarm, I think, overall. And that my, I didn't find it it's especially hard to, uh, to nominate my top 10. Um, I don't know. It wasn't like, I didn't have to like cut out any like real like classics or anything like that. My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Okay, so it's now New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Been here for two weeks. The episode must come to a close. Katie, you have the final word. Oh, the word? Uh... Uh, there you go. <laughs> that was it. That was the uh, final one. a really good Scandinavian Swedish word. Well, we should all just sing a snap song, shouldn't we? Snaps visa. Sing a snap song. Yes. Singing and this is what Swedish so just put a snap song on and just play it up, and it'll sound like we're singing it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's commence singing. Thanks for joining us for this Christmas special film chat, our fifth one. This is a venerable podcast. Um, Why aren't we bigger? Why, Why aren't we bigger? Aren't we bigger? We've, made a, we've made 180 of these. We should be huge by now. That's just statistics. Somehow hasn't happened. Uh, and uh, thank you for bearing with us if, as we've consumed a couple of bottles of Prosecco, giving this whole episode the air of a highly professional and taut. If this episode seems a little bloated, number one, I've done a bad job editing it. Number two, we're not going to be on air if that's we're not even on air as it is we're gonna be on the net we're gonna be on net for a while we're taking a little hiatus yeah to recoup i've got to really gather my thoughts about aquaman for my other review <laughs> amongst time i've got to be i've got to be writing an essay and i'll be thinking so write an essay. i'll be thinking about what i've done and trying to get over it just staring at my hands. Casey's going to go back to Sweden. So yeah, I'm going back to Sweden. We've all got, we've all got stuff on. Casey, when, when are you going back to Sweden? Second uh, of January. Okay. That is pretty early. So we will not be recording an episode before I could then. just do one alone from Sweden. You can. I, I do want you to send us the audio clips of your reviews of this I will, m- I will. the many Swedish films. I will. And what I'll, I'll do is I will then get the people who uh, recommended them to come in and... Uh, like defend their recommendations <laughs> and then I'll just sort of shit talk Swedish movies. Please do. And that'll be the kind of combative, entertaining format that it will take. We need a foreign correspondent to go truly global. So that would be greatly appreciated. Until that auspicious occasion. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mer- a- Merry Christmas. And, have, and a happy new year. And an extremely happy new year. God Yule. God Yule. God Yule. I had the same bloody trouble about two nights ago. Yeah. I come in about half past eleven at night. We've been having a couple of drinks, I remember. <laughs> I come in, I get into bed, you see, feeling quite sleepy. <sighs> I can feel the lids of my eyes beginning to droop. You yeah. see, a bit of the droop in the eyes. I was just about to drop off and suddenly tap, tap, tap.
tap at the bloody window pane. <laughs> I looked out, you know it was a bloody Greta Garbo. <laughs> Save for a shorty nighty. She was hanging on to the window sill. And I could see, I could see, I could see her knuckles all white. She was hanging on to my Saying, Peter, Peter, von Schneuen, in the war in the story. You know how these bloody Swedes go on. Bloody Greta Garbo, she wouldn't go, she wouldn't go, I had to smash her down with a broomstick. Yeah. <laughs> Poke her off the window sill, she fell down onto the pavement with a great crash in her. She just had a nightie on, is that all? That's all she had on, Dad, just a... See-through? A see-through, shorty nightie. Yeah, Nothing else, yeah. except for a dark glasses, of yeah. course. <laughs> This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.